to be simply this is she and I want to thank you for joining us in this moment and yes I want to take you there to the Philippines that was an intro by Apple Diap of the Black Eyed Peas some of his solo music and we will listen to a little bit more of that as we move through this segment today in this alchemy of food connecting to our roots we're going to explore a little bit of the medicinal medicine of rice and we're going to experience a little bit of featuring two uh, books that refer to some wonderful recipes and wisdom. In addition, we're going to explore some history from the Philippines around rice and migration patterns. So today there has been a lot of destruction of rice crops around the world and actually as I was preparing for this segment I was pleasantly surprised to gosh read uh, this that the rice terraces which we'll be talking about uh, in the Philippines have actually moved to organic farming which I was not aware of when I first went to the Philippines. This was just on, I guess, the moment that it was starting to happen. So in March 2009, the rice terraces were declared free from GMOs, genetically modified organism. And the one thing interesting to note about the Philippines as we talk about them in this episode is that they were the largest exporter of rice in the world. And these rice terraces have only been around for 2,000 years. And I say only for some of us, that may seem like a long time. But really, it's not that long of a time when we look at the grand scheme of things and how long the Earth has had different ecosystems and civilizations on it. However, it is relatively a long time for now. So this is exciting to see that that has occurred. And they even when uh, they declared this and made this announcement, they performed ceremonies with traditional uh, tribal priests from Alim, and they asked for the blessings. And they did an animal dedication uh, to the gods. Now, for those that are in a certain theological belief system, I know that sometimes these practices are hard for one to even understand, especially if you've never had the opportunity to connect to indigenous tribes or even be in communities that are much more agrarian. They are agriculturally based and community based and they live together and they survive together. It's much different and things aren't outside of you when you are living just in harmony or on the edge or and or it can be sometimes so today we're going to talk about this rice and we talked a little bit about corn most recently and this past summer I had the marriage between rice and corn and kind of their importance where in a Native American tribe the Hopis in northern Arizona the corn is so so important and at that time being out there with a brother, soul brother, and tea master Wuda from Taiwan, which is very close to the Philippines. Uh, they call Taiwan heaven, and if you've been to the Philippines, you'll know the resonance there is just incredible with song and harmony. 
and you have so many beautiful countries all around there uh, celebrating such sacred things. So over there we have tea and rice in those in that ley line together. And he was sharing, Wuda was sharing that rice is so sacred in Taiwan that if you leave grains of rice on your plate, that that's not considered respectful. And I think that goes back to any of us that might have remembered a grandparent or a parent reminding us to eat all our food, not to leave anything left behind. And in Western cultures and many modernized industrial, post-industrial cultures, we forget the sacredness of food and to think about just to take what we need and not to create a lot of waste, maybe shop less, buy less, and throw out less or compost less. And once you become more in harmony with that, you will notice something. A, you'll probably have a little bit more money in your pocketbook. Uh, B, you'll realize that you don't have to eat as much. And you'll have a deeper relationship with our ecosystem that provides us with this food. So I want you just to take into your mind's eye right now your relationship with rice and some of the trend diets that you've been privy to where rice has been uh, villainized, <laughs> for lack of better words. And, you know, I find this very dangerous when we segregate something. It's almost like being a bully to someone. We're segregating food and saying it's bad. I remember there was a diet out there, I won't name the name, but that carrots were bad, but really they were bad if you ate lots of them. So I don't think that anything in moderation can be bad, even if you're indulging in something that might, quote-unquote, not be healthy for you, but it might be serving another purpose. So as we explore rice, I just want you to think about your relationship in, with rice in this lifetime, where you're from, and what it means for you. And then when we come back, we're going to explore a little bit about the history and the culture of the Philippines, some recipes, and then we're going to explore some wisdom of the rice. As we do this, we're going to listen to the full song of Take You to the Philippines by Apple Diap, his solo music. He appears, he's starting out a new adventure supporting music and culture in Asia. So that will be beautiful to see it unfold. You can connect to some of his new solo work through iTunes and other sites on the internet and this one's a beautiful one and you can watch some of his live performances through YouTube.
take you to the Philippines, however, somehow that seems to beautifully take you there too. So as you were contemplating and connecting to rice, as mentioned, in the Philippines they have what's known as the rice terraces, and rice there is very much a part of every meal. It's eaten in some of the villages with the hands like bread, connecting with the different sauces. There's so many different influences of cuisine in the Philippines, which as I got to spend time there and learn more about Filipino cuisine and people and the beauty of it, you start to see the different influences from China to Spain to Italy uh, to Malay. And what's fascinating about this country is that, first of all, the book that I'm referring 
to today is the Philippine Cuisine by Jerry G. Gele, and these are recipes from the islands. And what I loved, what I was attracted to about this book is not only does it have these amazing recipes, but it also talks about the history. And I think it's really a beautiful way to learn about history is through food. In elementary school, I had a great opportunity through many of my classes that we use this modality to really learn about history and tastes and understand about culture. It really does bring something to your sensory experience and helps you understand what's happening with the earth there, what's growing there, and and why these foods might make people feel comfortable and at home, and why you might not resonate with them because you don't have that resonance maybe with this part of the globe, and that's okay. Or you might, and this is a great way for you to reconnect to that uh, memory wherever it might be coming from. So in the Philippines, it, they, this noted in the book, about 20,000 years ago, the Ice Age reduced the levels of the ocean, creating bridges between land masses, making migration possible. If you're familiar with this part of uh, East, or I guess, yeah, Eastern Asia, is that um, you have Taiwan, you have the Philippines, you have Malaysia, and you have all these little islands. So you can imagine the ocean, like, retracting and people finally being able to start migrating to places that would be considered unknown potentially, would be considered too far or dangerous by boat. If you're also familiar with the Philippines, you know that this area gets struck by a lot of weather. It's impacted by a lot of weather, and I think that's to protect the region. Another interesting fact about the Philippines is it was was invaded 54 times by the Spaniards, and that's why there's Spanish influence. And it really broke my heart to see that there was such this intense just return to keep invading a location. And that didn't really occur till uh, Ferdinand Magellan discovered the Philippines in 1521, and that that was noted. Um, that that was his discovery point and things start to shift very much probably like they did 20,000 years ago when the Ice Age reduced the levels of the ocean. So what happened at that time is the Malay uh, influenced the food in the Philippines and that can be found in indigenous recipes like kari-kari which is a meat and vegetable stew in a peanut sauce and other stews with shrimp paste and then all stews with uh, meats. There's a lot of meats in the Philippines. And what's interesting is they will raise, you know, you'll hear farm raised, and uh, there's some different diets that focus on meat-centric diets. And in the Philippines, you'll see this beautiful harmony with the village and their animals, and they don't necessarily go out and eat large quantities of meat every single day. It might have started to change. Maybe there's more consumption of meat now that it's more readily available. However, the residents that I connected to is that it was more you had your animal, and then over time, uh, maybe in a year or two, then that, that animal was cooked, prepared for the whole village to eat, and they ate all of it, and nothing was refused. That's a much different thing than, you know, a daily practice of 
sacrificing the animals so you can be fed. And if you think out into safari and different things like that, that's similar. You know, a lion isn't uh, taking out an animal every single day to feed their needs to that because they're a carnivore. So I love looking back and seeing how we related. Now, how this relates to rice is that, as mentioned, they have the rice terraces, which are known as the eighth wonder of the world by the Filipinos, but it's a beautiful if you look at it in photographs and have been to the Philippines and maybe not even to that site, you'll feel this just forward-moving resonance. And I'm so excited that they have protected this region. I hope it's still protected and they continue to grow in a terrace format. They have an agricultural system that was uh, put in to grow very similar to in the Andean culture and not only rice but vegetables and different things like that. So the, the recipe I want to feature is one thing in the Philippines, you can get rice at every single meal. They have congees, which we'll talk a little bit when we go to Paul Pitchford's book, which, we, which we've been referencing, is that they have different rices that are available and, and made and prepared in different ways. And this recipe is on 203. It's a Luzon rice. You'll also know when you go to the Philippines that every region has their own signature cuisine, and some regions are known for better chefs than others, and they take great pride in their food and their recipes, very similar to if you're in Thailand or different parts of Asia where different regions have very specific foods, and it's because of what's grown there, and also because of the culture, there's this really interesting uh, difference that occurs. Similar to if you've gone to Mexico, there's different foods and tastes and flavors, and we can kind of experience this in North America, where if you go to California and have, quote-unquote, Mexican food there, to Arizona, to New Mexico, you're going to get three different types of blends and approaches to these foods that are grossly umbrellaed under one word, Mexican food. And sometimes people can be a little confused because it doesn't taste the same, especially if you grew up on one kind or another. So the Luzon rice is this orzo rice that they'll call, you might be familiar, arroz uh, a la Luzonia. Sorry, I'm putting an Italian spin on this. Um, <laughs> but this, this rice is a sweet rice, washed grain. Um, typically with rices, if you wash them, that's going to uh, yield a better end product. So to remember to give them a little bath before you prepare them. And in this, this dish, you have water to make the rice. You're going to have vegetable oil. You can substitute a little bit better oil, sunflower oil, olive oil, something that might be a little bit more um, pure and harmonized with your body. Think about what you need. Three cloves of garlic, small onion, a pound of chicken breast meat diced, a pound of lean pork, a pound of shrimp, and then a teaspoon of salt, a teaspoon of black pepper, a tablespoon of annatto seeds. These are soaked in a quarter cup of water for 30 minutes or one teaspoon of paprika. can be substituted. Two eggs, slightly beaten. Two tablespoons of butter or margarine. Again, I would go for butter or ghee. A large uh, hard-boiled egg, a red pepper, and four saba bananas peeled and sliced halfways or two plantains peeled and sliced diagonally. 
Now this dish, as you can see, has a lot of meat, so if you're not a meat eater, you can substitute with veggies here, have fun wherever you're from, or go to an Asian market, go to a Filipino market, and see what kind of vegetables they have there and play and put those in the dish, explore a little. So you're just going to saute this up in um, the pan with the onions, the garlic, and then you're going to add the chicken and pork and the shrimp. And then from there, you're going to stir in the cooked rice, salt, pepper, water, and seeds that were soaked until the rice is a nice yellow-brown color. Then you're going to remove the pan from the heat and allow it to cool. Now, what this is sounding like, all of a sudden, if you're, you're familiar with Italian cuisine, yes, fried rice, but also with uh, a risotto, which is you prepare this way, you stir-fry, you put in the pan. So depending where you are in the world, you can add your flavors to this. Then you're going to add the eggs and mix well. Now the good thing about letting this cool is one, the eggs won't cook too fast, and also what you can do is bring your eggs out on the counter and allow them to come to room temperature so you're not shocking any of your foods at the same time. Then from there, you're going to grease a well-molded uh, bowl with butter, line the bottom with the hard-boiled eggs and red pepper slices, fill the mold uh, with the rice mixture, pack well, cover with uh, parchment paper, and put the mold in a steamer and steam for 30 minutes. Now all of a sudden you see this taking on a whole new thing, and again that mold needs to uh, be maybe made out of bamboo that can accept the steam. You can put banana leaves over the top. In a skillet, fry three bananas in three tablespoons of oil until they are golden brown. Drain on paper. Remove the mold or bowl from the steamer and let rest for a few minutes before you unmold. Turn the mold on the power, arrange the bananas on top. You have this beautiful dish that's been steamed. And what you want to remember is when, if you're substituting, especially if you are not a meat eater, and you'll notice chicken and pork especially has a lot of fat to it. And since that's a half pound, and then the shrimp, these are flavors that you're going to, A, want to think about. So you might want to in introduce some more spices and some more oils to compensate, and you might have to work with your consistency a little bit. If you are a carnivore, then you can have a lot of fun with this dish. So that is a traditional dish that uh, from the Philippines, uh, from Luzon, which is one of the main islands where uh, Manila is on. You might be familiar with that city and that region. So again, the neat thing about the Philippines and many parts of the world is there's a lot of regional cuisine. So we're going to take a little break from there and just allow yourself to think, wow, steaming rice, and this will bring you back to even uh, tamales that are made in Guatemala that have rice or corn tamales made in Native Americans. So this aspect of making this molded, yummy, self-contained dish also is a beautiful option uh, and a different option to do with family time. We are going to listen to another song by Apple D. App. It's called You Can Dream. It's a remake of a classic uh, song that was first produced by Florante. They did this song together, and it's about dreaming. So imagine for a moment being in the Philippines, being on one of the dreamy islands, 
or being at the rice terraces, and then we'll come back to the wisdom and the medicine of rice. I know a lot of things that you're probably going through And don't nobody feel them like the way that you do And you won't talk about it when I say what's up I guess that means that you're down on your luck No sunshine, just gray skies And I know it's so hard just to stay alive When your whole life seems like one lie But you can make it all it takes, it's one try It's your life, everything don't always seem right You don't always have to be right You gotta be strong sometimes in your life If you fall down, just know it's alright the day so it's something new so how you gonna act like it's all through everybody get clouds on a sunny day it can always go good or go your way they used to always tell me no but i kept trying by accomplishing my dreams and i'm still trying if they say you can't make it that's one lie but you could do it all it takes is one try it's your life everything don't always seem right you don't always have to be right you gotta be strong sometimes in your life if you fall down just know it's all right all right Close out this segment and connect with the wisdom of rice and the properties and how it can benefit you. 
what I'd like to remind everyone is that if you can take time to really think about the foods that you're eating that you're naturally attracted to and understand them, and then also if you happen to come into dis-ease, meaning illness, simple cold, uh, any emotional things going on, that if you understand your food a little bit better, you might start to learn how you can bring yourself into balance and how you can support yourself properly with food. Rice is one of these beautiful things that can help, especially if the stomach is upset, if your digestive tract is having issues, if there's a lot of acidity built up, that you can utilize rice to calm things down and it can nourish you. There are many villages around the world that survive on rice alone and have a harmony with it. So rice, and for the past couple weeks I've been referring to Paul Pitchford's work Healing with Whole Foods. The link is below with uh, the other beautiful cookbook that I just re referenced, Philippine Cuisine, that rice has these healing properties. Uh, they're neutral, thermal in nature. This that I'm referencing is on page 472. Sweetened flavor. They, it strengthens the spleen and the pancreas soothes the stomach, expels toxins, increases your chi energy, and is hypoallergenic. Again, this is why it's often used when people are having intestinal uh, problems. Now, whole brown rice is concentrated in vitamin B. Now, if you're having intestinal problems, the brown rice is going to be difficult to digest because there's that bite to it. Brown rice is concentrated in vitamin B and therefore beneficial for the nervous system, helps relieve mental depression. So this can, that hardiness can support you, provided that your stomach's doing okay. Uh, the brown rice and the white rice are used for diarrhea, nausea, diabetes, and thirst. And a handful of raw brown rice chewed thoroughly as the only food in the first meal of the day helps expel worms. So this is a great thing to remember if you've taken journeys to jungles that you might want to pack a little rice and say, wow, I'm going to um, do this if I start to notice that maybe I've taken on a parasite. You can also use grapefruit extract to help prepare your intestinal tract. Uh, and also this remedy uh, of, for infants who cannot tolerate mother's milk, feed them roasted rice pan-roasted rice until dark, add water and simmer, and then the tea can be taken two to three times a day to help them adjust. And for those mothers out there, if your infant can't tolerate your milk, it's more than likely your diet that's affecting them. So it's an opportunity for you to peel back the layers and kind of harmonize yourself and bring yourself into harmony. Don't feel like you're not providing for them. It, it just might be that they're sensitive to something that you've been eating. So basmati rice is slightly aromatic and is considered lighter than other rices, making it more appropriate for damp, overweight, or other stagnant conditions. And be sure, he mentions, to use whole grain basmati rice. It, um, white basmati is parboiled before refining, which derives a small amount but important percentage of vitamins and minerals into the interior of the grain. So, however, it is still lacking the bran that is associated, the germ, and its essential oil, and the majority of other nutrients found in these removed parts. 
So this is why you'll have this back and forth conversation between white and brown rice. So rice is this food that, if you really think about it, has this opportunity to provide you with so many things in a daily basis. Again, eaten in moderation, eaten with your vegetables, eaten with your fruit, eaten with your meats if you indulge in meats and fish, and allow it to be there with you and understand its nutrients. So we'll go through sweet rice, uh, contains more protein and fat than other rice, and this is sweet rice is very predominant in the Philippines. It's easy to digest, particularly made into traditional Japanese food as mochi. Uh, the healing properties are warming thermal nature, sweet, increases chi, warms the spleen and pancreas, and the stomach. It is mildly astringent, used for frequent and excessive urination, spontaneous sweating, and diarrhea, also helpful in the treatment of diabetes. And caution here, he puts in here, sweet rice can worsen disease marked by phlegm and mucus. In addition, it should be avoided by those who have deficient digestive fire, uh, coldness, signs of coldness. And that, again, that's because of its properties. Now, wild rice, not a true rice, but more, more closely related to corn, indigenous to North America and traditionally known as monomen, a watergrass, a staple for several uh, Indian tribes in the Minnesota area. And the, the qualities here are their cooling thermal, sweet, bitter flavor, diuretic. It's great for the kidneys and the bladder. The slim grain has more protein than other rice. It is rich in minerals, B vitamins, and is hearty food for cold climates, hence Minnesota. It cools the superficial tissues and concentrates warmth in the interior of the lower bodies. So, one, you want to think about where you're living. White rice, uh, sweet rices in tropical warm areas, hearty rice in cooler areas, and to think about your body, your constitution, and what you're needing, and how your intestinal tract works. In Indian and in Ayurveda, if you're uh, a Vata, tend to imbalance in vada and have a drier constitution, the watery rice, the basmati, works better to keep everything moving. Uh, if you don't have that problem as much, uh, then you might have more of a bill to handle some of these rices with a higher protein content and that firm, firm things up just by their complete mineral content and protein content. So, giving you a lot to contemplate about rice today, and allow yourself to explore it, uh, if possible. And it's not really that much more expensive. And this being that this is a staple, potentially in your home, purchase organic rice. This is how we can create market trends in the food world. Is the more people that become aware that they want clean food, that puts the d demand on the market and you just say no, and you switch your attention to foods that are available, that are clean, made well. One thing to note is that in certain regions of the world, like the Philippines, let's say for coconuts, 
because their economics are such that they can't afford to necessarily do certain types of spraying, that by default some of their foods or a lot of their foods are organic, especially the coconuts. So sometimes you need to do a little bit of research of what's happening in that region if you can find out at all. And then you'll know that certain foods are safe to purchase from certain regions of the world, even if they're not certified organic. However, the only way to truly know that they're organic is to right now have that certification. Hopefully someday it'll be the reverse that we will have certified filled with pesticides so you know that that's the food that's not clean and then all the other food will be clean food. We'll reverse it and not have to point out the healthy food versus the food that is detrimental to your health and your complete ecosystem around you. So we're going to exit out with a song called Kali Moon, a little meditation for you to take in as you connect to the sacred grain of rice and see how you would like to introduce it into your life and where it might feed you for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. And we'll discuss a little bit about that in the future segment on rice as we talk about kanji's uh, gruel and ways to have fun with rice from one meal to the next. Until next time, this is Chi signing out with a big smile, a full heart, a big belly full of laughter, and a namaste.